you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Take a break. The book of Ephesians this week. The title of our message this morning is We Need the Fire to Fall Again. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1 through 3. Be on the screen, it's on your outline. Reading from the Holman Christian Standard translation this morning. Second Chronicles 7, beginning at verse 1 through verse 3. Let's begin reading at verse number 1. It says, When Solomon finished praying, fire descended from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests were not able to enter the Lord's temple because the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. All the Israelites were watching when the fire descended and the glory of the Lord came on the temple. They bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground. They worshipped and praised the Lord for He is good for His faithful love endures forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I'm so thankful for your presence and I'm so thankful for your word and I'm thankful that we can be in your house today. And I ask you today, Lord, to speak through me. I ask that you would touch my mind, that I could think clearly. I ask, God, that you'd touch my lips, that I could speak uh, plainly what you would have me to say. And I ask God today that you open the ears of the people to hear. I pray you open their hearts to receive. And ask God that you would have your way in this place and do what you want to do. Ask God that you lead me and guide me and that I would be sensitive to your leading and sensitive to your presence. And that God, your will would be done and that you would be edified and glorified through all that is taking place. God, I turn this service over to you. I turn my life over to you and I ask God that you use me for your glory. And God, I'll give you praise and honor for all that's accomplished. In Christ's name, I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Solomon and the people of Israel had worked long and hard to build a permanent structure to house the Ark of the Covenant. Finally, the day had arrived for them to dedicate the temple, and as the people gathered, Solomon began to pray. And you can read about that in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And the Bible tells us here in verse 1 that Solomon finished praying, and when he finished praying, fire fell from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I don't know about Solomon and how he felt, but if I had been in his shoes, that would have been an unforgettable experience. Imagine being there and you finish praying, you say the amen and fire comes from heaven. The sacrifice that's on the altar, it gets consumed and all of a sudden the the weightiness of God, the glory of God, a, a cloud fills the temple and the ministers can't even come in to minister because... God has shown up. I can only imagine what it must have been like to see the fire come down and the presence of God fill the house to where you can't even stand in His presence. But I do know this. God hasn't changed. And God is still able to do what He's always done. I still believe God's glory can fill the house. I do believe God's fire can still come down and 
God's glory can still be filled and God's glory can still be experienced. And if there was ever a time that we needed God to show up, if there was ever a time that we needed God's presence, if there was ever a time that we needed God's power, it's the days that we're living in today. We're living in times where there is so much chaos and corruption and calamity that we need a move of God. We need the fire of God. We need the glory of God. We need the power of God to show up in our lives. We need the power of God to show up in our churches. You see, one of the things that convicted me this week at camp meeting is the fact that so often we get comfortable and we get complacent and we just come to church and have service as usual. But hear me, I don't believe Jesus died on a cross and shed His blood just so we could have church services. He died so that we could have an abundant life. He died so that we could have an encounter with Him. He died so that we could be changed and transformed and go from faith to faith and glory to glory. He died so that we could have supernatural power abiding in us and so that we could do greater works than He did. And yet so often we come to church and we sit like God's not real. We come to church and we act like God is dead and God can no longer do what He's always done. But hear me, I don't want church as usual. I don't want to come to church and know that we're going to end at 11.45 on the dock. I don't want to come to church and know that we're going to sing three songs and the preacher's going to preach and we're going to leave and nobody's going to be changed. I want God to move. Because I'm tired of people coming and leaving the same way they came. Because let's be honest, when's the last time you've come to church and you left change? When's the last time I've come to church and left change? When's the last time we've come to church and left talking about what God did on a Sunday morning? You see, we're living in days where lost people can show up in church and they leave comfortable. But I remember going up, sitting in church services where if you were lost, you weren't comfortable. Because God was present. But we got sick people who come to church today and they leave just as sick as when they walk through the door. But I can remember going up if you went to church sick. Many times you didn't leave sick. Because they prayed for you, they anointed you with oil, and they believed. And God's power healed. You walked in addicted, and you left set free. God hadn't changed, church. I want God to do what He's done before. I want His glory to fill this place. I want God to run this place. I want God to do it again. How many want that? You see, I believe God wants to do more in my life. I believe He wants to do more in your life. I believe God wants to do more in this church. I want God's power in this church. I want God's glory in this church. I want people to walk into this place and I want them to encounter God. 
Because listen, without God, they don't change. Listen, without God, preaching alone will not change them. Without God, singing alone will not change them. It's going to take His power, His presence, His anointing to change them. But in order for that to happen, we have to have an atmosphere where God is welcome. Because I, can I tell you this? God's not welcome at every church. I, I, I know as believers He lives inside of us, but if we want His manifest presence and power to show up, let me say it this way, if we want God to show up and show off, He's got to be welcome. We've got to have an atmosphere where God can demonstrate His power and His glory. And so the question is, how do we do that? How do we create a place where God can show His glory? Three things I want to give you this morning. Number one, it has to be a place of prayer. Notice in the text that the fire didn't fall and the glory didn't fill the temple until after Solomon had finished praying. He began praying in chapter 6, verse 12. And when he finished praying, God responded with fire and sent his glory. It was though as God stamped his approval on the temple. But it was after he finished praying. Can I tell you when the Holy Ghost showed up in the early church? While they were praying. You want to know when fire fell for Elijah? After he prayed. Then the fire fell. Listen. There can be no fire and no glory without prayer. That's a good place to say amen. If we want power, if we want glory, if we want the anointing, it's going to take prayer. Amen? If we want God to move, we've got to be people of prayer. And this church has to be a church of prayer. If we want God to fill us and anoint us and empower us, we have to be people who know how to get a hold of God in prayer. We've got to learn how to go into our prayer closets once again and get on our knees and fall on our face and call out to God in prayer. You see, the praying church recognizes their own inability and recognizes God's ability. And that causes us to go before God and seek Him for help. You see, our problem today in the church is we think we can do it without Him. There's a lot of preachers today who think they can preach without Him. So they don't spend enough time in prayer. That was one of the things that convicted me this week. Lorraine Livingston talked about this idea of having to sometimes be buried and sometimes die and go in a closet so you can die to yourself so that God can use you. John the Baptist said it this way, I must decrease so that he can increase. That takes going in a closet and die so that God can do what he wants to do in your life and through your life. Amen? Prayer is an essential ingredient in the mystery of revival. And we'll never have revival without prayer. You'll never have revival without prayer. God's glory will not show up when prayer is neglected. In Isaiah 56 verse 7, write that reference down. 
Jesus said, or, or the God said, that His house is to be a house of prayer. Jesus reaffirmed that truth in Matthew 21, 13. My house is to be a house of prayer. You see, if all the business is conducted at the church house, prayer should be at the center of it all. Listen, there's, there's a place for preaching. There's a place for singing. There's a place for giving. There's a place for all the other things that we do. But prayer has to be the most important thing that we do. But you know what the truth is? We'd rather do anything than pray. If I called a prayer meeting for tomorrow night, the truth is very few of you would show up. If I put it on the schedule for next week and gave you a week to plan, very few of you would show up. Why? Because it's not important. I, I'm going to make somebody mad, but that's okay. Because you've got other things you want to do. But then we talk about preacher, why is there no power in the church? Why aren't my kids and grandkids being saved? Why aren't we reaching our community? Why isn't the church growing? Why don't we see miracles? Because we don't pray. And let me just back up for a moment and let me just get something off my chest and let me just say this. I'm probably more, I ain't going to say mad, but I'm probably not going to be too annoying here. The reason I can say that a prayer meeting wouldn't be too uh, much of a priority for you is because Wednesday night is, is much of a priority for some of you. I just got to get it off my chest. The fact is, some of you going to leave this morning and I won't see you again until next time. We got church Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. I love you. But let me just say this. And, 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 and if we don't begin to pray and put a priority on the church in 10 years, where are we going to be? But if we don't begin to pray and put a priority on what God wants us to do in 10 years, where's this church going to be? We're going to be like a lot of other churches. The door's going to be closed and this building's going to be stable. Do you want that? Where you raised your kids? Where your parents and their parents fought and prayed and worked and labored to get it started? You see, one thing I've heard since I've been here is that this church has been on as a praying church. But here's the thing. Those who are the prayer warriors are no longer here. So now where does the responsibility lie? Us. Because here's the thing, we can't live off of 20, 30, 40 years ago what they did. It's now us that has to do it. And I, and I know some of you might be getting mad, but I hope I get you mad enough to do something. Is that okay? Listen, I, I'm saying this because I love you, but I hope it makes you mad. I hope it gets you mad enough to do something. 
hope it gets you mad enough to make a change. Listen, I, 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 want, to, I want to do my part, but I can't do it all. And you might be thinking, preacher, can't I just pray at home? Listen, we can pray anywhere at any time, but there's something special about coming together and praying with God's people. Because here's the thing, the Bible says if you're sick, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you, anointing you with oil, and the prayer of faith will raise them up. That's not praying by yourself, is it? That's getting other people to pray for you. In fact, let me give you some Bible. Matthew chapter 18, I believe it is, about praying together. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I assure you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Do you see that? If two of, just two of you can agree, it will be done for you. Can you, so can you see the power? If we can come together and agree. And again, the early church, 120 in upper room, the Holy Ghost failed. And then Acts chapter 2, up around verse 42, I believe it is, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then verse 47 tells us that the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. I believe God will bless this house if it's a house of prayer. And I, and I tried to establish times of prayer. 30 minutes before Sunday school on Sunday morning. 30 minutes at uh, 6.30 on Wednesday night. And not add an extra night to come out. Please understand my heart. I'm not trying to beat people up this morning. If they, and I, that, that, might, that might seem the way it's coming across. But if you understand me, I, I want this church to do more. And I know deep down this church has, that God has more. And I believe God wants to bless this church, but God will not bless the church that will not pray. Because when we pray, we're saying, God, we can't do it. But when we're praying, we're saying, God, I know you can. We're recognizing our inability and saying, God, we can't, but you can. You understand that? And you see, when you pray personally, that's what you're saying, God, I can't. But I know you can. And if we want God's power and God's anointing and God's presence to fill this place, we've got to be people who know how to pray. God honors praying people. And that's what I want us to do as a church, to be people who pray. A church that prays. But secondly, we need to be a place of praise. When God showed up and demonstrated His power before the people, they responded by bowing before Him in wonder of His greatness. They praised and worshipped Him by bowing humbly before Him. They praised Him for who He is. And there's a lesson here for us. The church ought to be a place of praise. The church ought to be a house of worship. You see, if God's going to move in our midst and if we're going to have an atmosphere where God is welcome, we have to be a church that knows how to praise Him and worship Him. But sadly, many in the church are no longer amazed with God. Sadly, we're living in a day where there's so many people in the church, they've lost the wonder and awe of God. 
You see, one of the problems with the modern church today is that we've ceased to desire Him. Think about it. What did Jesus tell the church of Ephesus? I have this against you. You've abandoned your first love. You don't desire me anymore. And we see that in the church today. People just no longer desire Him anymore. They're no longer passionate and enthusiastic and excited about Jesus anymore. But I pray that we as the people of God here in Jefferson will once again fall in love with Him so that He becomes the focus of our lives. So I want God to be the focus of our lives and I want God to be the focus of our services. Listen, I don't want people to come in here talking about the preacher or the preaching or the music or the singing or the worship leaders. I want people to come in here and talk about God. I want people to come here and talk about Jesus. I want Him to be lifted up. I want Him to be exalted. I want His name to be mentioned and glorified. It's all about Him. So I want to remind you this morning that praise is still pleasing to God. In fact, let me say this. You've heard me say this before. If you don't like worship, if you don't like praise, you're not going to like heaven. But God still gets a kick and still gets a thrill out of praise. Psalm 22 verse 3 says this, But you are holy, O you who inhabits the praises of Israel. Think about that. As our praise goes up, His glory and His presence will come down. He inhabits the praises of His people. In fact, some translations read that He is enthroned in the praises of His people. That when we praise Him, it's as though He sits on top of the praise of His people. He makes that His throne when we praise Him. He dwells there. He comes and He sits there when we praise Him. You want God to dwell here? Lift up your praise and God will come and sit down in our midst. God's attracted to it. There's something about when you lift up your hand and lift up your voice to praise Him that God makes a beeline to where you are. You see, praise gets His attention. And so if we want to welcome Him and invite Him into our midst, we've got to lift up our praise. Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good and His faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. This is how we should come to church every Sunday. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. We should come with thanksgiving and praise on our lips as we enter this building. When you walk on this property, you should be like David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And listen, you may not feel like being here, you may not feel like worshiping, but you ought to be able to say, I was glad they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And when you walk in here, you ought to enter with thanksgiving, you ought to enter with praise, and you ought to bless His name, and you ought to be ready to sing, you ought to be ready to worship. And you might say, preacher, I'm hurting in body. Listen, God woke you up today. He put breath in your body. You're alive. And you ought to bless Him. It could be worse. In fact, there's a lot of people who do have it worse than you do. He's worthy. Notice also in the text that the people lifted up their voices, they opened their mouths, and they praised God vocally. 
let, let me just say this. They some of y'all don't know if you're praising God or not. They hadn't heard anything. It's, it's, it's okay to get a little loud. It's okay to say something. It's okay to be vocal. Listen, it's okay to say praise the Lord and hallelujah. It's okay to say thank you, Jesus. Now, I know in some churches, if you were to say thank you, Jesus, or hallelujah, you're going to get some strange looks. But it's okay to be vocal. It's okay to be excited about Jesus and what God's done for you. Amen? Here's what the Bible says. Psalm 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Notice it. Shout. Psalm 100, verse 1 and 2. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Let me say this. I couldn't be in a dead church. After experiencing what I've experienced, after feeling what I've felt, I couldn't go somewhere and just see it. I couldn't. I couldn't go somewhere and just sit with my hands folded and be quiet. God's been too good to me. I don't know how some people do it. God bless them for doing it. But I believe we have a God that can be felt. And if He ever touches you, I believe you'll respond. Amen? Psalm 150, verse 3 through 6. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Let me just say this. It, notice it says praise Him with the dance. And notice it don't say wait until you feel something before you dance. They brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel and David danced with all his might until he danced out of his clothes. And his wife got on to him and said, Hey, you made, you made a fool of yourself. And he said, If you think I look foolish, you just wait. I'll become even more undignified than that. Because my praise isn't for you, my praise is for God. Listen, you don't know where God brought me from, so listen, don't worry about my praise. If it offends you, find you another seat. Amen. But maybe it'll rub off on some of Listen, God's been too good to us for us to sit here and do nothing. Because here's the thing, we get excited. Let, 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 me, let me finish reading this right here. Praise Him with the dance, praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Listen, it's okay to have instruments in the house of God. There's some churches that don't. The Church of Christ, if I'm not mistaken, they sing a cappella. They, they, don't, they don't have no instruments in the church. They think it's wrong. Praise Him with loud cymbals, praise Him with clashing cymbals. Verse 6, Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. If you're breathing today, the psalmist is praising. And I'm looking around today, and we're all breathing. Do you know what that means? We should all be praising. Did you take a moment and just, just clap your hands, do something, lift your hands, and let's just praise the Lord today, Father? We bless you in this place today. We magnify you in this place today. You're worthy. You're worthy. Oh, hallelujah, you're worthy. Oh, we bless you in this place today. Hallelujah. 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 It's okay to praise Him, church. 
And it's okay to get excited while you praise Him. Listen, I'm not talking about chaos. I'm not talking about confusion. I'm not talking about trying to get things out of order. But listen, while we're worshiping, while we're praising, it's okay to say thank you. It's okay to bless Him. It's okay to exalt Him. It's okay to say hallelujah. It's okay to be a little excited and be a little vocal. Listen, we get excited over our kids and our grandkids. We get excited over ball games. We get excited over sports. We'll jump up and down and we'll hoop and holler and we'll act crazy and we'll act foolish over all the things of this world. But we'll come to the house of God and act like God hadn't done anything for us. But hear me, I'm thankful that God's been good to me. He's blessed me. He's saved my soul and kept me from going to hell. He deserves my praise. Hallelujah. We can shout. We can clap our hands. We can sing. We can dance. Notice something else here in this text. Because they praised God willingly. In other words, they, they, they saw the fire fall, they saw the glory fill the temple, and they fell down in worship without anybody prompting them. Let me ask us this morning, why does someone have to motivate us to worship God when He's been so good to us? Why does it take somebody telling us to lift our hands before we lift our hands? Why does it tell somebody telling us to praise God before we'll praise Him? Listen, when God has touched your soul and blessed you, the automatic response ought to be, thank you, Jesus. Somebody should have to motivate you and somebody should have to cheerlead you on to worship Him. You should come in willingly and right by yourself, God, I'm here to worship of your own will, you should praise Him and glorify His name. And I know sometimes it's a sacrifice. Because you don't always feel like it. But He's been too good to us for us not to worship Him. So we want to be a place of prayer, a place of praise. There's a third thing I want to give us this morning. I want us to be a place for all people. You want God's presence and God's glory to fill this place? We need to be a place for all people. If we want God to be welcome here, all people need to be welcome here. If anyone can't come here and be loved and accepted, God will not send revival here. God will not bless the church with His presence and power that is full of hate and prejudice. If we only want our kind of people, those that look like us and act like us, God will not send His glory. Listen, I know that we're here to worship our Redeemer, but we must never lose sight of the truth that Jesus came to redeem those that are lost in sin. And we never know when God might send a lost person into our midst. And they need to be welcome. We never know when an alcoholic or a drug addict or a prostitute 
or a homosexual or a transgender person might walk into our midst and they need to be loved and they need to be accepted and if they're not welcome here and you don't have, and you have a problem with that you've got issues in your heart that need to be dealt with amen in fact let me say this if they're not welcome here you're not like Jesus and we can't call ourselves a church But if we want God to bless this place, anyone and everyone has to be able to come in here and be accepted. And we have to love them, welcome them, and be willing to pray for them. Now here's the thing, accepting them doesn't mean we approve their lifestyle. You can love someone without condoning what they do. Amen? Jesus was the friend of sinners. And yet he didn't condone what people did. I want this to be a place where people come and experience the grace of God and see their life change. But the only way that'll happen is if we say, all are welcome. And some of you might struggle with that, but, but, but again, if you struggle with that, you need to repent. It's sin. If you have prejudice and discrimination in your heart and you don't want a homosexual or you don't want, listen, in this day and age, you don't know what's going to walk through the door. We're living in a day where boys don't know for boys and females don't know for females. They don't know what bathroom to go in. You don't know what's going to walk through the door. They're confused. But they need Jesus. He died for them. And they don't need to be judged. They don't need to be criticized. They don't need to be ridiculed. They don't need to be told they're going to hell. Listen, if they don't believe in Jesus, that's where they're going. But listen, they don't, they don't need to be hated on. They need to be loved. They need to have compassion. And that's the kind of church we need to be I've prayed this for this church before God sent us to people that nobody else wants. And some of you might say, Preacher, don't pray that, but I'm going to keep on praying it. God sent us those that nobody else wants. Because here's the thing, if you'll take the ones that nobody else wants, God will start sending the ones that everybody wants. Oh, I feel Him this morning. How many believe that? If you'll... Oh, let, let me... Because here's the thing. When you go fishing with Jesus... You, you just throw out a net and you take in whatever comes in. Jesus wasn't looking for a specific kind. He, he, he went fishing. He, he said, you're going to be fishers of men. That means you just go throw out the net and you find whatever comes in. And he cleans them up. You catch whatever you catch, Brother Tommy, and he let, you let him do the cleaning up. Amen? And I know it's hard for us sometimes. Deal with people that are different. And let me tell on myself, because I sat Thursday night, I believe it was, and I had an individual in front of me, and to be honest, I don't know if it was a young girl or a young boy, short blonde hair, like a dress, and then some pants on underneath it. The arms were hairy enough to be a boy that was dressing like a girl. I couldn't really tell what it was, and this was in camp meeting. 
And I sat there trying to worship, and I, I, I'm getting distracted because I don't know what was going on. Plus, they was talking back and forth. But I guess the boy would want to be a girl. I, I don't know. That's the day we're living in. And every now and then, whatever, and I'm not trying to be mean, but, what, but whatever this individual was or wanted to be, would lift their hands up like they were worshiping God. And I almost thought I was going to have to move. Because it was distracting to me. But it shouldn't have been because God could have touched them and worked in their life. So let me right here from everybody, God forgive me. Well, they need to so We all have to deal with it. Even with even, even the preacher. Because there's something in all of us that has to be rooted out. We like our own kind. But we want God's blessing on this way. We got to say, anybody can come and they'll be loved. Because I promise you, we're not living in the 60s and the 70s and even in the 50s like our parents and grandparents. These are different days. I know things happened back years and years ago and it was kind of hid and kept secret. It's not kept secret anymore. We've got to love people. So this morning, I want us to be a place that can host the glory of God. That can host the power of God. But the only way that's going to happen is if we're a place of prayer, a place of praise, and a place for all people. And I want us today to make a covenant, if, if you'll allow me to kind of say those words, that we're going to commit to pray. We'll commit to be people of worship and praise. And we'll be committed to be a church that all people can come. And that if we have to, we'll, we'll commit ourselves to personal praying that God will root these things out of our lives that keeps us from loving other people. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want us to be a church that's on fire for God. And do you know what would happen if we were on fire? People would come watch us burn. If God's glory filled this place, people would come just to see what God was doing. You see, we're living in such days where the church is trying to manipulate people to show up. Churches are trying this technique and that technique and they're trying this strategy. Trying to get crowds. Listen, if you've got God in the building, 
That's all you need. Because when I read the Gospels, it says Jesus was in the house and you couldn't fit anybody else in the house. I think Jesus in the house is enough. Because when His presence is here and lives are being changed, let me, let me say it this way. If we all left here today and talked about what God did in church today, if people were healed, lives were changed, people were saved, people were set free of addictions that they struggled with for 15 and 20 years, and when you left talking about that, don't you think talk would get around town of what's taking place at Jefferson Church of God and people would show up the following week to see what's happening? And you wouldn't have to give away TVs, and you wouldn't have to give away iPads, and you wouldn't have to give, have drawings of this. All you have to talk about, look what Jesus did at the Jefferson Church of God. And people would come. And wouldn't it be so much easier to talk about people, talk to, talk to people about Jesus if you could say, hey, this is what God's doing at my church. And you wouldn't feel forced to try to witness to them. You could just simply say, hey, this is what God's doing. I want us to have that kind of action. We can leave and talk about what God's doing. Prayer, praise, and a place for people. So this morning here.